My name is John Merrick. If you didn't know that, I'm the youth pastor here at Calvary. And today we are going to be going through our last week of the Path to Freedom series. Pastor Michelle has been bringing us through this. We've been looking at the Israelites' journey uh, from slavery uh, with the Egyptians to getting out of it. And today we're going to be looking at the story as they go through the Red Sea. And so this is an exciting story if you know it. What I'm going to ask you to do is pretend like you don't. We're going to read through part of it. And I want you to read it as if you've never read it before. And if you haven't read it, amazing. This will be so amazing for you to read today. So the passage will be behind me. We're going to get right into it this morning. So we're going to start in chapter 13. So let me just give you a little bit of backstory. What just happened was Jesus, or sorry, God has called Moses to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. They have been in captivity for over 400 years. They've been serving as slaves to the Egyptians. So this is not a one lifetime. This is like multiple generations have been now grown up in slavery. They've known nothing else over 400 years. And then we see God do some miraculous things. We see these 10 plagues take place. Well, we heard about a few weeks ago, and you can go back and listen to that if you want. Then we just watched them celebrate the Passover dinner together. And, and we'll come back to that in a moment. And now what's happening is basically Pharaoh has said, get out. I don't want you here anymore. You're causing harm to my people. Get out of here. I'm going to let you go. God has softened his heart to release the Israelites. And this is where we find ourselves here in verse 17. Here's how it says. It says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road towards the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt armed for battle. We're going to skip a little bit here. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and, and, and at night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi-Haharoth, between Meg Megdol and the sea, there to encamp by the sea directly opposite Belzephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their service. So he had his chariots made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, horsemen, and troops pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. So we're going to continue this story in a few moments, but I just want to stop here for a minute. You see, this story, this, this journey of the Israelites getting out of Egypt is really this incredible testament to who God is, right? It's a testament to God's faithfulness of Moses and his trust in God. You see, this story is actually an identity-defining moment for the people of Israel. You know, we just sang about some some moments, we just sang about some things that are identity-defining things as Christians. And you see, in the Bible, we see this story is something that the Israelites go back to time and time again of when God delivered them from Egypt. 
Throughout scripture, we see this. You see, this is a story where they find hope, where they find purpose, where they actually shape their identity from it. In the passages before this, we saw Pastor Michelle covered last week about the Passover meal, which was done as a reminder of how God delivered them from the Egyptians and into freedom. But as we read the story in real time without knowing the end, right? This is what I'm challenging you to do today. Without knowing where we're going to head out here. As we read it in real time, what we see are people just like us. When we face opposition, we see people choosing and acting and feeling things just like we do when we face opposition. They're discouraged. They're afraid. They're lacking trust, unwilling to go the direction that maybe God is asking them to go. Yes, God shows up in the end, but what we're going to do today is look at their response through the hardship on their path to freedom. You see, I believe today that people in this room are longing for freedom. I believe there's people here this morning that are just longing for a sense of freedom that some of you maybe feel defeated today, that you feel like the battle's already lost. Maybe you've packed up and accepted the path you're on, said, I've tried everything and I'm just going to stay here. It's not worth it. See, what I believe today is that God wants to reveal to you that the path to freedom is still available. The path to freedom is still available, and I'm so excited to dig into this with you guys today. So before we continue on, I just want to take a moment to pray. So would you bow your heads with me? Dear God, I just thank you for each person in this room. God, as we dig into your word today, would you help us to have open hearts, God? Would you help us to have open ears? Will we hear what you have to say this morning? Would everything of you stick, and would everything that's not fall to the side? God, we love you. Amen. Amen. So let's go back to the very first part that I read to you today. Exodus 13, 17 says this. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said if they faced war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road towards the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt armed for battle. See, the first thing that I just want to bring to our minds this morning is that usually on the journey, on the path to freedom, the path that often doesn't look like what we want it to look like. The path often doesn't look like what we want it to look like. And this can be hard for us sometimes. Because what happens, we want to take the shorter route. But as you see here in verse 17, God took them the, the long way around. Though that was shorter to go the other way, he knew that it wasn't going to be the right path for them to take. You see, God knows what distracts us. He, he knows our temptation. He knows that we will take matters into our own hands if we have the chance. See, he knows our fears. See, the Israelites left ready for battle. It says they were armed and ready for battle. So why couldn't they go the Philistine way? Why couldn't they have those, those moments? They were ready for it. But see, it says God knew that if a battle came, they would change their minds and go back. See, often on the path to freedom, we move too fast. Often as we're trying to pursue freedom in our lives, we move way too fast. See, we, we move ready to face the obstacle, the, the giant, the, the insecurity, the addiction that we're trying to get free from head on because we just want it over with. We want to get it over with. We want to be done with it. We don't want to deal with it anymore. But God is trying to move us in a different direction. Verse 14, two says, it says, then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back. Tell the Israelites to turn back. Just imagine being the Israelites for a moment. And, and just get this picture in your mind. This isn't 100 people. This isn't 1,000 people. This is over 2 million people traveling together. Over 2 million people walking together. 
Imagine you, you already don't really trust what's going on. You've grown up in slavery. You've known what's, what's going to happen the next day. And now all of a sudden Moses is telling, saying, let's go. We're leaving this place. And you're just following all these people, not really knowing what's happening. Now you're going the way that you think you, think you should be going this way. But they're saying, no, no, we're actually going to go this way. And you're already like, what is happening here? And now you, then you hear this, you're all walking together. And then someone says, no, turn around. We're going the other way. Just imagine how you'd be feeling in this moment. I know personally, I would not be too happy. I'd probably be trying to find my way to the front of the line to talk to Moses myself, right? Because I'm a good Christian. <laughs> you see, this is the moment. Turn back. How does that make sense? I think that this is the moment often on our path to freedom. This is the moment where we often try to carve our own path. You know, why go back? Why, why am I going to go back? God, I'm already on this path. I'm already going this direction. This is where I think we need to go together. See, God, thank you for bringing me here, but I think I can do it from here now. I watched someone else take this path, and I think if I just do what they did, I should be okay. I think that's often kind of what goes on in our minds. Maybe we don't say it out loud, but we're like, God, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you. Then all of a sudden, he says to do something. We're like, ah, yeah, I like this way better. So we continue down that road. Chapter 14, verse 10 says this. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. Remember, they left ready for battle, but as soon as the battle came, this is their response. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Wow, that's some strong words there. It would suck to be Moses. That's all I know. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. You know, in verse 18, it said, the Israelites left ready for battle, but at the first sign of opposition, they were terrified. You see, I think that this last phrase here, it would have been better to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. This is something that we kind of go through. We say, see, my situation is getting worse. As we're on this path of freedom, we feel God is leading us this way. Then he says, turn back. Then this opposition comes before us and we're facing it and the addiction comes back and the thing that we're trying to fight through, the, the, the hurt that we're facing, all these things start rising up again. And we say, see, my situation is getting worse. It's not getting better, God. I should have stayed. I shouldn't have asked for help. I shouldn't have revealed my sin. I shouldn't have done that thing to let people know what I was going through. You see, we get angry at the first sign of things not going how we want them to on the path of freedom. But the reality is that to get to the right place, to get to the right place, you have to leave the wrong one. To get to the right place, you have to leave the wrong one. To get to where God wants you to be, you have to walk away from what's not in his will. The Israelites could not get to the promised land unless they left Egypt, right? That's a big step of the obedience. They had to leave that place in order to get to where God wanted them to be. Sometimes the wrong place feels safe, right? Sometimes the wrong place feels safe even when we know it's bad for us, right? The Israelites, slavery equals bad, right? We know this. 
But even the Israelites, they say, it would have been easier for us to be there because we know what to do the next day. We know where our food's going to come from. We know where we have shelter. We know these things. And although it might not be perfect, this is all we've known. It would have been better for us to stay there. You know, what I've learned in life is that growth and comfort cannot coexist. We've probably shared this because someone in all of our lives has said this over and over and over. But we, can't, we, have, we have to learn that in life, growth and comfort cannot coexist. You cannot grow and be comfortable, right? How do muscles grow? They have to rip. They have to be stretched. They have to, they have to be ripped apart. This is how we grow in life when we're put into an uncomfortable position where we may not know how to do the thing that's in front of us. And we have to push ourselves. We have to trust on God. We have to go and learn something new in order to push ourselves forward. Growth and comfort cannot coexist in our lives. So if you want to get to the right place, if you want to find yourself in the will of God, what is it that you need to leave behind? What is the place, what is the thing that you need to leave behind to get to where God is asking you to go? You know, hear Moses' response to the people after they cry to go back. Right after this moment, I think this is such an incredible image of Moses speaking to two million people. You know, probably not all to them at once because there was no speakers back then. Somehow it traveled through, but somehow he said this to somebody. I picture him standing on a mountain yelling at them all. In verse 13, it says, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Only to be still. He says, do not be afraid. Stand firm. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. I I think someone here needs to hear that today. That you don't need to make the way for yourself. You don't need to fight your battles. You don't even need to defend yourself. You need to be still. Know that he is your God. Know that he is good, that he will fight for you. Now imagine being the Israelites. You are complaining. You see this army coming towards you. And see, there are about 2 million people in the army. Uh, The 600 chariots, the best chariots only held three people. And so even that alone, plus whatever other chariots they had, there's no way close that they even came close to the 2 million people attacking them. So you can picture the difference. And, and you've been turned around, and now this is the response. You're told to just stand still. Don't do anything. God will protect you. It's been a stretching experience. Be still and listen to his voice. I, I feel like this is what God is saying to us this morning. Is he's saying, on our path to freedom... What our responsibility is to do is to be still and listen to his voice. Listen to his small promptings in our heart and mind. You see, without being still, we miss out on what God is speaking to us in the obedient steps he's asking us to take on our path to freedom. You see, this moment right here, we, we watch as the Israelites, their, their whole mentality changes. They go from being fearful to one person standing up One person, Moses, saying, no, 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 this is what God is saying. This is what we're going to do. And in an instance, their their identity changes as a people. They go from fearful to trusting God. 
You know, uh, this, this weekend, I've debated about using this as an illustration, and I was talking to Bobby about this, but this weekend, me and my family, we watched A Bug's Life. Anybody seen A Bug's Life? If you haven't, great movie. Top 10 for sure. <laughs> you can probably figure out how old I am by the fact that I think A Bug's Life is a top 10 movie. I've watched it too many times on VHS. I do know what a VHS is, just want you to know. But I had this moment where I was watching this with my son, and we're watching it. Our TV doesn't have Disney Plus, so we're watching on a little iPhone. It's really confusing. We should upgrade, but we haven't yet. And we're watching A Bug's Life, and I, I'm watching this moment. If you don't know the story, basically the ants are enslaved by the grasshoppers. They're enslaved by the grasshoppers to provide food for them, to do all these things for them. But the grasshoppers actually know they're actually afraid of the ants, even though the ants are afraid of the grasshoppers. And there's a scene where the grasshoppers are talking. They said, we have to continue doing this because if they ever find out that they're stronger than us, if they ever find out that they outnumber us, it's going to be bad for us. So we have to stay in this moment. We have to let them be afraid of us. But at the end of the movie, this one ant, Flick, top 10 hero in my books, <laughs> this guy, this ant, Flick, he stands up to the grasshoppers. And in an instant we see the, the identity of the ants change. They see this one ant stand up, and then they all stand up, and they realize, we, cannot, we outnumber them. We actually have what it takes to defeat them. We're equipped to defeat the opposition before us. And, and I don't want to relate Flick to Moses, but this is what I picture in my mind. This similar thing where one person stands up and says, we can do this. God is on our side. Their identity changes in a moment. And, you know, as I was studying this and I was looking at this, I just realized, and I think it's so crucial for us to realize this, is that your freedom isn't just about you. See, yes, God wants you to live a full life. He has good plans for you. But often our freedom isn't just about us. Our freedom often isn't just about us. It's about those around us. You see, Moses is walking and living in freedom. That's who he is. He knows God personally. He's walking in freedom. And he doesn't just change his life, he changes the course of his entire nation, right? You got to picture this. His entire nation benefits from one man living on the path to freedom. See, often it takes one person to be still and to listen to God that changes their family. Often it takes one person to be still and listen to God to change their workplace, to change their school, to change their community, you see, God actually wants us to live on the path to freedom so that he can use us exactly the way that he created us to be used. And I think this is so incredible. It's not just about us. It's the beauty of being a part of the, the body of Christ, right? One person has this moment of freedom where we're living in fear and anxiety and stressed out by the details. And we see one person walk in faith. We hear one testimony and it changes the course of our lives, I know that's a part of my story, and it's probably a part of your stories too. You see, but we need to remember that the path to freedom often doesn't look like what we want it to look like. I know I'm bringing this one back up, but the path to freedom often doesn't look like what we want it to look like. You see, freedom does not mean that we do what we want when we want it. That's not what freedom is. That's not the freedom that we're looking at today. You see, freedom in this upside-down kingdom that we live in, the kingdom of God, is actually found in surrender to God. It's found when we submit our lives to him, when we allow him to direct our steps. Instead of choosing them ourselves, 
right? Because that's what we want to do. We want to take things into our own hands. We want to choose the steps in front of us. We want to have step two, three, four, five mapped out, ready to go. But that's not usually the path that God is calling us on. You see, the path to freedom is a surrendered life. Pastor Michelle brought this up a few weeks ago, and I just want to hit this one home again. But the path to freedom, if we really want to be on the path to freedom, it's a surrendered life. You see, freedom was not available to the Israelites until they surrendered their lives to obedience. Until they left captivity, and until they left comfort, until they left what they knew for what God had placed them, placed before them. Not knowing what was ahead, but trusting that God had their best interest at heart. You see, for you, this, let's personalize this a little bit. You know, what is it that God is waiting for you to surrender over to him? You know, what is it in your life that God is waiting for you to surrender to him? You know, for some of you, maybe it's a very real addiction. Maybe it's a real addiction that is now just not hurting you, but maybe it's starting to hurt the people around you. You know, maybe it's a pattern of sin. A pattern of sin that you find yourself constantly falling into and you, you're just so frustrated with it, you're so done with it, but you find yourself yet still falling into this pattern. Maybe it's fear that God doesn't have your best interests at heart. I think this is what the Israelites were facing here. They didn't believe that God actually had their best interests at heart. I know that's probably one that I relate to often. Maybe it's this, maybe it's your finances. Maybe you've been bound by debt and need help getting out, but feel trapped and it burdens you every single day. Maybe it's a family crisis where you've tried everything you can to fix it. You've had every conversation, you've talked to every counselor, you've done everything that you think you can do to fix it, yet it just keeps getting worse. You know, I've experienced this and learned this recently that a sign in our life that we are trying to fix things on our own rather than surrender them over to God is exhaustion. A sign that we are trying to deal with our path on ourselves and pave the way for ourselves rather than trusting God is exhaustion. You see, we want things fixed. We've even taken the right steps to do so, but as we work hard to fix things, we only find ourselves exhausted, worn down, weary, on the edge of burnout. You see, those aren't the words that I hear Jesus talk about in the Gospels, about how to handle burdens. But I know for me, when I'm trying to do things on my own, I feel exhausted. And lately, I've been feeling exhausted, and, and I had this moment with God not that long ago, a few months ago, and everything kind of changed for me. But I, I realized that I was exhausted, and it's not even a bad thing. It's more of a good thing, but sometimes good things become bad things when it's not what God is asking us to do. You see, recently I had this desire, and I don't think it's a bad thing, but I had a deep desire to be the best dad, the best husband, the best pastor, the hardest worker, most successful, driven, loved by people, right? All not bad things. I really hope aren't bad things, but I realized that this desire was driving what I did. And in my effort to do all these things, to have a good reputation is what I boiled it down to. I found myself exhausted, overwhelmed with the burden of living up to the standard, trying to do everything I could to make these things the reality. I found myself ready to give up, not on life, but just to just take a step back, to be done, just say, I, I can't do this anymore. But then I had this moment with God where it wasn't even a moment like this. It wasn't anywhere crazy. I was biking. I was on my bike, biking to Lakefield, sitting by water, taking a break. And I was having a conversation with God. 
And I just felt his presence so strongly as I basically had a conversation with him that said, God, you can have it all. I'll let you lead me. I'll stop. I'll let you go before me. I'll let you worry about my reputation and I'll stop trying to make the path for myself. You see, in that moment, it just things changed for me. I don't know how to explain it other than I felt a sense of peace in my heart that, was, that surpassed my understanding. I felt free, maybe for the first time, of trying to live up to a standard that I had placed on myself. You see, the good life, the full life, the free life is only available when we surrender. When we come to the end of trying to make a way for ourselves and trust that God will make a way where there is no way. We don't need to have all the answers and map of our lives. What we need to do is listen to what God is asking us to do, those small promptings, and obey. You know, something that I've been challenged with recently, and I think this is for all of us, is really this question of what is the next right step for you on your path to freedom? What is the next right step? We see often what we're doing is we're looking at the end product. We're looking at step 10. And we're trying to figure out how do we fast track our way to uh, to step 10. But really what God is saying, what is the next right step? Maybe it has nothing to do with step 10. But what we need to move our focus onto is what is the next right step? Because that is where the path leads us to freedom. You know, for many of us today, I think that the next step is letting God fill his rightful spot in our life to jump up the priority list, to begin to allow him again to direct our steps. You know, our focus needs to be on the next step. And when we do that, when we surrender the rest to God, he will lead you. You will live in freedom with a sense of awe and who God is as he opens doors and closes the wrong ones, brings spiritual freedom, financial freedom, relational freedom as he does these things for you. In my, my, my challenge, my plea to you today is that whatever the cost is for you to surrender those things, that it's worth it. Would you, would you, would you just walk in obedience and allow God, would you pay that price because if I've learned anything from life, it's not easy. But whenever I do pay that price, the path of freedom is just such a, a wonderful place to be. So I'm going to ask you to do is stand up with me as I just read the rest, the finishing chapters of this story. <clears throat> We're going to jump down a little bit and look at verse 21. It says, then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and all the night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them and all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptians' army and threw it into confusion. He made the wheels fall off their chariots. He made them go into confusion and made them say, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians, over their chariots and their horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing towards it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen. The entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea, not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. 
That day, the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the great power the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. A wall of water on their right and on their left. See, the path that delivered them into freedom, the path that delivered the Israelites into freedom destroyed their opposition. The path that delivered them into freedom destroyed their opposition. And the path that will deliver you may not be the one you choose, but it'll be the one that brings victory against whatever is holding you back from where God is leading you. I believe that to be true. What I'm going to ask you to do today is maybe a little bit of a different response. We're not going to jump right into a song. We have a few moments. But what I'm going to ask you to do is close your eyes for a minute. And what I want you to, 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 to process and ask yourself the question is, what is it that I need to surrender right now as we be still and listen and obey that commandment? What is it that I need to surrender over to God Let's take a moment. You know, with our eyes still closed, if, if you feel like maybe God has revealed something to you that maybe you need to surrender, <clears throat> what I'm going to ask is that you would maybe just raise your hand and leave it up. And I'm going to pray from the stage for you. You can put it out in front of you if you want. You can put it up high. You can do it however you feel comfortable. But really as a sign of saying, God, yeah, I need you. And not just on my, in my heart and on the inside, but on the outside, I'm actually saying, God, I really do need you physically that I'm going to take this step of faith and do that. What I'm going to say is if you feel that way, keep your hand up. And if you feel comfortable with people around you, maybe laying their hand on you, or if someone is close to you, would you just begin to pray for them as I pray for us together? So God, I just pray right now for each person in this room, hands raised or hands down, God, that they would experience your love today that they would experience your peace in this moment, that they would feel a prompting in their heart uh, to trust you that, that says that it's okay to trust you, that says that you have your best, their best interest at heart. And so God, for whatever needs are represented, whatever things that you're uh, telling people to maybe lay down before you, God, would you give them the boldness to do that? Would you give them the courage to do that? God, would they trust you with the little things, God? Would they trust that you have a plan in place God, would they leave here feeling a sense of freedom that you go before them, that you will make a way where there is no way, 
that we can look back at stories like this of your faithfulness to us as a people and know that you can do anything in our lives, that we can trust you. So God, this morning, would you meet us here? And would you lead us onto the path of freedom, not even just for ourselves, God, but for those around us, the people in our lives that you need us to show what freedom looks like to. God, we're just so thankful for who you are, that you are a real God who goes before us, who has a relationship with us, who speaks to us. So God, this week, as we take moments to be still, would you show up? God, we are so thankful for who you are. Amen.